Good morning, new community. My name is Timothy White. It is my pleasure to speak before you today. I've been attending new community for 11 years with my lovely wife and four beautiful children. We are grateful to be a part of this community. So I wanna share with you a few things today. I'll start by saying that even though we are physically separated, we are still able to gather in some form. And so I'm thankful for that. I referred to the words of Jesus in Matthew 18, verse 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And so even though we are physically separated, he is very much in the room because we are gathered together in his name. So I want to reflect with you just during this time of COVID-19 and uh, Pastor Peter's been talking about how we respond to this. I want to say a few things to us today. What I love about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God continues to advance. The kingdom of God is not stopped by a virus or anything else on this earth. God is still healing. God is still saving. God is still delivering. And so we rejoice in that truth today. And as God's people, we are still called to love Christ with all of our hearts. Our commitment to Christ remains unchanged. It is constant. And so I want to talk about that today. That's part of our church's mission is loving Christ, passionately loving Christ with all of our hearts. And so we might ask the question, how do we passionately love Christ even during this time? What does loving Christ look like? And for that, I'll turn to the scriptures. First, I'll look at John chapter 14, verses 15, 21, and 23. In these passages, Jesus talks about loving him and what loving him looks like. In three different ways, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The one who has my commandments and keeps them, that's the one who loves me. Again and again, keep my commandments if you love me. And so I want to talk about that during this time. It's important that Christ's commandments, his word, his truth that we find in the scriptures is preeminent in our lives. That loving Jesus is shown in our obedience to him. How we live, how we answer the call to follow him. That is what he's looking for. I also turn to another passage in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and I'll go ahead and read those. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Once again, we're reminded of our commitment to Christ is through obedience. And as I reflect on this time, just for myself, I think about what are some of the idols, in fact, that I have erected, that I've built up that have kept me from obeying Christ? What are the things that I have allowed to get in the way 
of me obeying his commandments. And maybe you are dealing with that right now. Maybe there are idols you've built up. Maybe it was going to this place or that place. Maybe it was your job. Well, businesses are taking a hit and sometimes job security for some people, it's uncertain. What are the idols that we've erected that have kept us from obeying Christ? What things have we said yes to because they had our hearts and we said no to Christ. We said no to studying his word or praying because quite frankly, I'm just too busy. Well, now COVID-19 has provided an opportunity. Everything is shut down. All of the things that we would raise up and run to, they're shut down. We don't have those to turn to. I believe this is a key opportunity for us as God's people to take inventory, take inventory at the things that we've built up that have kept us from obeying Christ's commandments. What are the ideas of the world that we've internalized and said we're going to follow as opposed to following what he says? Are there things that we've agreed with the world more than Christ, where instead of looking, looking at what God's word says about a matter, we followed the culture? This is a great time for us, church. Even though it's hard, Christ demands our obedience. We've got a loving Savior who gave everything for us, and that's what he's asking for us, from us in return. So during this time, let the word of God be our anchor. As God's people, let's let his commandments be ultimate. That that's what we run to, that's what we turn to. And let's develop good habits during this time. Maybe you said, I was too busy to pray, too busy to study scripture. In fact, I'm thinking of someone who's close to me who hasn't prayed in two years. Well, in light of this virus situation, he's now praying again. Yeah, this virus has a way of bringing us back to our knees. And that's good. Maybe you've gotten away from God and this is causing you to pray more, study scripture. I thank God for that. God can work in the midst of that. But let's also develop good habits so that when we get to a point of normalcy, when the bands are lifted, the closures are lifted, will we go back to our old patterns? Or will we still allow his truth, his word, his commandments to be preeminent in our lives? I thank you for this opportunity to share with you. May God bless you. Well, good morning, new community. My name is Bridget, and I was asked to share with you a little bit about how I've been experiencing and pursuing community in the midst of COVID. I sat down and started thinking about what are some scriptures that are feeling applicable to our situation right now, and I think one that kept coming up over and over, maybe because I keep hearing it on the radio, maybe because there's been some controversy about it in the news, but it's the one that says, let us not forsake the gathering of the saints. And so I looked that verse up. I'd love for you to join with me in pulling that up in your Bibles. We're in Hebrews chapter 10. In verse 19, or just before verse 19, my Bible has a title here that says, A Call to Persevere. And I felt like that is so appropriate to where we are today. I'm actually going to pick this up a little bit later. So again, we're in Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse 23. 
It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. So what does meeting together look like right now? It's not the same. I can't sit with you here in the sanctuary like I like to do every Sunday. I can't hug you as you walk in the doors. I can't put my arm around my pew buddy and hang out during the fellowship hour afterwards. I can't spend time in my friend's living room as we do Bible study and share life together. Things look different right now, but I'm so thankful for the other ways and opportunities that we have to engage in community. This is one of them, church, and I have been stretched in technology over the last few weeks. I confess I have never Zoomed prior to doing so a few weeks ago on um, our Sunday morning. It's been great to see your faces every Sunday. While I can't hug you and love you in person, I'm delighted to see you waving and smiling at the camera. I love hearing your babies at the end of the service when they unmute us say, hi, Jane, hi, Karis, hi to one another. It warms my heart. My small group has been able to continue meeting during the season as well, actually both as our micro group and as our large group. We're getting together just to share what's going on in our lives. We're praying together and we're having fun together. This past week we had a game night and my neighbors downstairs commented that it must have been a pretty good time because they heard a whole lot of laughter coming from me, myself, and I. It was a good time. I've had a lot of phone dates as I catch up with friends maybe who've moved out of the city or talking to my people back in Colorado, folks that I don't get to connect with as much as I would like to. I have a dear friend in Germany, and usually our only communication is once a year during Christmas, but we've been WhatsApping a lot. She's been able to share with me what she's experiencing in Germany. I've been able to share with her what I'm experiencing here in the States, and it's been great. A dear friend of mine asked me to download the app Marco Polo so that we could have some video chats back and forth. That's awkward, but I'm doing it. And it's been good because we can see each other, we can talk to each other, even if our schedules don't align. All of this has been encouraging. And the word that we just read is talking about encourage one another. I wanna share with you just a little bit more depth about encouraging one another maybe in this time. I have been blessed to be a part of a community group here at Newcom for the last 10 plus years that has walked life with me, that has shared burdens with me. One of those burdens that keeps resurfacing is some real heartache in my family. My community group has sat with me, has prayed with me, and has even cried with me as I pour out this pain to them. And once again, that heartache resurfaced during COVID. And once again, my community surrounded me. They sat with me, they prayed with me as I cried over Zoom. But it was a tremendous, blessed time and I'm so thankful for that encouragement. I had the privilege of celebrating my birthday during COVID. And I remember my sister asking me, hey, what are your plans for your birthday? And I told her, you know what? 
one day just blends into the next. It's so blurry and time is so weird. Honestly, I'm working a lot right now. Praise God, I have a job. I think I'll just work a long day and go to bed. But around noon, I had a break from work and I went outside. And what did I find? But my community had put together a surprise, socially distant birthday party for me. There were a couple of people standing on the porch, maybe somebody down on the steps, a couple more out on the grass. And in the corner was a laptop where some of my other friends were zooming in so that they could participate in the surprise. I was overwhelmed, I was overjoyed, I felt seen, I felt loved. It was a wonderful experience. I'm so thankful for our church staff and all the many volunteers that have come together to try to find other opportunities for us to be in community, for us to identify needs and to meet those needs through the Blessed and Be Blessed initiative. It's been great to be able to participate in that. In fact, just yesterday morning, I was able to pick up and deliver some groceries for a dear friend who's in need. It's been wonderful to receive emails, um, listing up people who have prayer requests, or maybe people who need someone to reach out to them. It's been wonderful to do that, to get to talk to some of you and share some of that burden as well, to pray over you. You may not even know that I'm praying for you, but I am. I'm so thankful for that chat function at the bottom of your screen, where every Sunday we can submit prayer requests and let folks know what do we need prayer for. And I want to encourage you, please continue doing that. Please share those burdens so that we can carry that load with you as well. And don't forget to share the victories and the joys as well. We need those today. We need to hear those and we want to celebrate those with you too. You know, over the years, I've learned that there is tremendous blessing in being prayed over. The way that my group and my community has prayed over me and prayed over my family. But it is also a wonderful encouragement to be able to pray over you as well. Let's all participate in that together. In this time of encouragement, and as the scripture just told us, we need to spur one another on towards good deeds. Good deeds are important. We've all got a little bit more time on our hands that we can do that and encourage one another to be active and be doing things. But I think in addition to spurring one another on to the good deeds, we need to spur one another on to that hope that hope that we profess. I need to remind myself of that hope, and I need to remind those around me of that hope. Friends, the reality is there are some dark things going on in these days today. There's real isolation and pain. There's fear and economic uncertainty. We hear about the sickness and the death, and those things are real. But our hope is real as well. Last Sunday, we celebrated Easter. We celebrated the fact that we serve a living God, the God who gave us the life that we have, the God who promises to give us life and life to the full, the God who promises us life everlasting. You know, in these days of COVID, as we try to keep our circles close, 
so as not to share the germs while we share the love. Um, I've been blessed to live in the building with some really good friends. And then one of them um, I've been able to go running with a couple times a week. And she asked me, hey, while we're doing these runs, would it be okay if we used some of that time to pray? As my friend spurs me on to prayer, I am so thankful that we are experiencing COVID right now in the springtime, where we have visible images every day of new life, of rebirth, of God's creation and his care for us. And so my friend and I, as we're running, we start our prayers just acknowledging God and saying, God, thank you for the beautiful blue sky today. Thank you for the tree that is blossoming this week that was not blossoming last week. The daffodils from last week are still out, but the tulips are coming out this week. It's beautiful, God, and we thank you for the warmth. We thank you for the light. We thank you for the breath in our lungs today as we run. If you aren't experiencing some sort of this type of community, I want to encourage you, don't wait out COVID in isolation any longer. You also have the opportunity to have this type of community here at Newcom. I spoke to our director of spiritual formation, Ruth Nakai, and she's waiting and eager to hear from you. She said, send me an email. You can email her at ruth at thenewcom.com and she'll help connect you to, to some of these short-term community groups. We have somebody who actually just joined our microgroup under these same circumstances. We've never had the opportunity to meet her in person, but it's been wonderful having her as a part of our group. And I can't wait until the day that I can meet her in person and hug her. But for now, we do community over Zoom. I am so thankful for God's design for our community. I am so thankful for Newcom. And I am so thankful for each one of you. Friends, may God be with you until we meet again. Well, good morning. Como estamos? Jane Dobre. Hi, for some of you. My name is Lynn Oliver, and I'm uh, here to talk about radically advancing the cause of Jesus. Lucy and I have been in uh, Chicago a little, almost seven years, and we've been in Newcom just about the same amount of time. Um, we've got a lot of adjustments from a small town in uh, southern Minnesota, and it's been an ongoing learning experience uh, in just about every single way. Uh, I'm 73 years old, and I have been shaking hands for decades, and I've been doing it pretty well. I've been doing it kind of unconsciously, in fact. In fact, most of the time it's unconscious. If you ever notice people, uh, at least in my church, we, the pastor would greet us at the back of the door, and as people walked to the aisle, their hand would slowly go up, and then they'd shake the pastor's hand as they walked out the door. It's kind of an automatic, unconscious thing. When I got to, new, uh, to Newcom, and here I had to learn a new uh, thing. I had to know how to fist bump. So my hands would be going up, and then I'd go, oh, yeah, I got to do that. Now, recently, with uh, COVID-19 and all that, we've had to learn a new deal. So it wasn't fist bumping, it was elbow bumping. Remember that a few weeks ago? And now it's, I don't know what it is, but if you meet somebody in the, in the, in the grocery store on the street, you kind of go, I think it's kind of you do the chicken dance. That's how you beat each other. Hi, Matt. 
Hi, Susan. Chicken dance. At any rate, so I've got a lot to learn, and that's one of those things, and I'm fairly adaptable in most cases. Um, some of you know that I uh, volunteer at Open Arms Ministry, and I've been doing so for uh, almost the whole time that we've been here. It wasn't anything that I uh, planned on doing. In fact, it would have been the last thing on my mind as to what do you want to do with your life, Lynn, now that you're retired and living in Chicago. But somehow, um, God had that in mind for me, and so uh, I landed in, uh, at, new, at Open Arms. I learned to fist bump in Open Arms, um, and it's still a, a learning in process. My interest, well, actually my passion, my wife would call it an addiction. She has passions, I have addictions. Uh, my addiction, my passion is for the homeless at Open Arms. It's a Holy Spirit inspired to be sure. I can tell you about how that all started. Um, but my wife reminds me that it's also in my background. Uh, I grew up as the oldest of seven children, a very poor working family. My parents both sometimes had two jobs as they tried to pull together a household. My dad fretted about the $70 a month house payment. Imagine that, 70 bucks a month. Um, he, uh, he gave uh, winos, that's an old term I know, uh, that he knew haircuts on Saturday mornings, along with his three sons. Um, he, uh, I also had an uncle who had a brother who was an incredibly talented, gifted musician, but was also an incredible alcoholic. And he would sleep in our backyard, sometimes our, our front uh, couch, on his passing, passing through town. So I know a few things about uh, that kind of life. And that's kind of what my heart, where my heart comes from when it comes to working with um, folk at open arms. God put me there, and for weeks it was awkward. It was kind of weird, because no one would talk to me. I made the coffee, and I learned later that I was security. I didn't know what that meant, but I, I, uh, uh, um, I did my job. I was thinking, just filling in while Dave and Amy had a baby. Now, several years later, I lead a team that procures and distributes um, clothing and toiletries that we give out every Tuesday. It's kind of a work of miracle and mystery. We couldn't possibly provide all that we provide, between 40 and 50 pairs of blue jeans, t-shirts, socks, underwear, shampoo, soap, all that kinds of stuff, sometimes hoodies and a winter coat, maybe a belt or a pair of shoes or a backpack. We couldn't provide all of that on the budget that I have not even close. I blow through that budget in about 10 days every month. Um, but that's what we do. And, um, and believe me, we get a lot of God bless yous. God bless you. And thank you. And thank you. You're the best. And I get a fist bump or an elbow. Um, but that's really not the best part of what I do with open arms. I get to sit down and chat with guys. A few weeks ago, a few months ago, uh, I had the opportunity to outfit two men who were needed, needed snazzy clothes for funerals. One of them had lost his dad, the other had lost his grandpa. Uh, and so they got really nice duds, courtesy of somebody, um, volunteer um, donations. But I got to hear their story, and I got to hear some of their pain. And that's really valuable uh, for me, and I hope it was valuable for them. And since I can't be there now because I'm old and I'm supposed to be staying away, 
I have, uh, I have in my mind uh, my prayer list. And what it is, is it's two tables. On one side are all the Hispanic guys, and I can walk through, go down the tables, and I can identify who they are, and uh, some of them by name. And I can go down the other side, that's all the Polish guys and the Ukrainians, and et cetera. And I can uh, know their faces, and I can say my prayers for them. Uh, that's kind of fun. So, we want to talk about radically advancing the cause of Jesus. And the text I have chosen is Matthew 25, 40. Uh, it's a verse uh, I want to draw my, your attention to briefly. I have uh, three or four points to make. It's part of the last teaching of Jesus that Matthew records. And I think Matthew intentionally wanted us to get this story last, you know, the last words of Jesus, or the last teaching, or the last story of Jesus. I think he did that deliberately. He wants it to be clear in our minds. The story is something that many of you know. Uh, it's the king. He call, it's the end of the time. He calls all the nations together. He divides them into two groups. There are sheep and there are goats. And to the sheep, he says, come enter the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Because when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was sick and I was in prison, you visited me. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. He said to the goats, depart from me, because you didn't do any of those things. Now, both groups said to Jesus, to the king, when did we do that? What are you talking about? To the sheep, he gives this response in verse 40. Now, I want to remind you that Matthew, it was, uh, Matthew and all the other gospel writers wrote about the, uh, the parables, and I love the parables. The parables have a lot to do with things that are little, like seeds and yeast, the things that are lost, like sons and coins and sheep, and the things that are uh, least, like children and widows, and the things that are the least, like those who are uh, sick and in prison and those who are hungry and thirsty. So verse 40 is the punchline to the question the sheep ask. When did we do that? When did we see you this way? When did we visit you there? When did we? We don't know. When you, what are you talking about? Jesus answered this way. He said, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brothers and my sisters, you did it to me. Three things to say about the text. First of all, uh, it's the answer to the question. And he calls these least, these vulnerable people, the least, he calls them brothers and sisters. He identifies with them as his kin, family. We, some of us know the strong bonds of kin and family. We understand that my sisters and I and my some of my cousins, we've been emailing recently, and it's great to connect with them. In the same way, Jesus is identifying himself with brothers and, as brothers and sisters. Secondly, he says, if you did it to them, you were doing it to me. So think about that. When you give your $5 to that person panhandling on the street, or the letters you write to the governor on behalf of the prisoners at Stateville, or the used clothing or that new clothing you put in, in the red basket in our foyer, or the checks you write, or the advocacy you do for the immigrant, or the meals you deliver, the rides you give, the phone call you make to your grandma. Those are all those acts done to brothers and sisters and to the least of these, 
and to Jesus himself. So Jesus' identification with the vulnerable is total. It's complete. The third is that it's vulnerable people. It's the least people. It's the people at the bottom of the totem pole. This is his heart's concern. This is, this is Jesus' heartbeat. And with COVID-19, that is exposed to our nation and our world, what we've known all along, that there's lots of vulnerable people. And now many of them are dying. And all the more so, given our current issues. Just last week, Open Arms Ministry Pantry delivered three times as much food as they've given in any other day in its history. Three times as much. So we know the needs are enormous. Now, I haven't thought much about me being a vulnerable person until recently. My son has begged me to stay home. Oh, man, that's very hard to do. Um, I'm old, I guess, so I need to stay home. Um, and then the folk in my life group have been saying, could we uh, get you some groceries? Could we bring you a meal? So now I'm on the other end of that, where um, I've enjoyed so much to be uh, able to serve at Open Arms. Now the fourth thing I want to say about this very briefly it has to do with elbow bumping and chicken dancing. The sheep have kind of an unconsciousness about what they're up to. They go, what are you talking about, Jesus? When did we do this? When did we do that? And Jesus has to remind them of their ministry. He has to tell them what they're all about, what they've been doing all along in Jesus' name, being Jesus to the vulnerable people, to the naked, to the homeless, to the poor, to the hungry, to those in prison and sick, to the stranger. He was doing all that, and they weren't very conscious about it. They were kind of surprised almost. Now, in our day, <laughs> given the circumstances, we all probably need to, to take a second look because a lot of that's kind of like handshaking. It's kind of just what we do. It's kind of unconscious. It's just part of the thing. I have a friend who keeps dollar bills and $5 bills in his visor because when he stops at the corner and somebody's panhandling, out, he rolls his window down and money comes out. It's just what he does. For many of us, we just need to keep doing all that kind of stuff. But for many of us, some of us, we're going to need to have to do some transitioning, some handshaking, to fist bumping, or to elbow bumping, or to chicken dancing, because it's a new day. It's a new way we need to think about how we're going to advance the cause of Jesus. It'll be awkward. It'll be weird. It is so weird for me to fist bump. It's weirder to do this. Um, you all understand, understand that, I'm sure. So let me encourage you. Let me encourage you to go over the list that Ruth has provided. Think about that. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you, to lead you, and to show you what he, new thing he might be doing for you in a new way that you hadn't thought of before. A way to love Jesus' brothers and sisters. Paul said, Let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due time, we will reap a harvest. Jesus said, look, if I give you just a cup of cold water in my name, no way will you lose your reward. He also said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Gracias. Prose. Thank you very much.